This is the Berg's Eye View Podcast. I'm John David Bennett, Mercesburg Academy's Dean of Curricular Innovation. For this December edition, I interviewed David Ashton, class of 2006, and Kent McGlincy, class of 1999. David is a filmmaker who recently released a short film, The Legacy Sessions, which won the audience prize at November's Alexandria Film Festival. Kent is on the board of Wish of a Lifetime, an organization whose mission is to, quote, shift the way society views and values our oldest generations by fulfilling seniors' dreams and sharing their stories. Before a brief conversation a couple of weeks before we recorded this podcast, David and Kent had never met, but they discovered that Kent's work and David's film tell similar stories. David, I, I watched the Legacy Sessions a couple of times. Uh, the story is a clever take on the classic premise, you know, sort of a uh, finding forest, forester or a hunt for the wilder people like tale. What was the uh, seed of the idea? Um, well, I'd been gravitating towards sort of the, the, the central themes about, a, you know, this cross-generational, you know, story, kind of two people connecting in an unlikely way or, or maybe two people who normally wouldn't connect. And I, I know I definitely wanted to tell a story that focused on an older character. And I, um, it's actually, I, I guess the, the, the real, the, the spark came from my mom because she was involved with this program called the Leg, which was called this, the title of the movie, The Legacy Sessions um, down in Virginia Beach. And she, um, or I guess when I learned about that and, and how they had, you know, connected elderly uh, residents at a retirement community with uh, high school students and the high school students had to essentially had to learn about them and then perform a monologue as them. I don't know. I just to me that just seemed like the perfect setting for a film, and I um, it just checked off all the boxes of the of the of the things I was already interested in. Can you tell us a little bit about the plot of the film? Yeah, so it's about a um, a troubled high school student uh, named Darby who she sort of displays she has has, re- has re- recently uh, moved in with her uh, her dad um, doesn't really know her dad didn't grow up with him um, and we learn that her you know her mom has passed away um recently and uh from cancer and she's uh just kind of i think just kind of an angry sort of closed off person um and and she gets moved into an acting class in school because she gets in trouble in another class so they put her into this theater class and the first assignment is is the legacy sessions that i just mentioned which is connecting um acting students with retirees and so that's really the the crux of the story is this relationship between darby and the woman she meets in the retirement uh, home, which is, um, her name's Flora. So Kent, uh, the work that you've been doing with Wish of a Lifetime, it uh, directly parallels the story in David's film. What does uh, Wish of a Lifetime do? So Wish, basically our focus is to grant wishes for deserving seniors uh, that have really unique stories behind them. And the whole purpose of us doing it is to really raise awareness for the isolation that many seniors face. And one of the parts from the movie that uh, David had talked about that really hit home that whole idea to me was there's a part where uh, Darby, the main character, kind of meets the woman that she's going to be shadowing for the monologue when they go into the retirement facility. And when she first meets her, the nurse drops her off and the woman turns to her and looks and she was like, how do you how do you like the way I've redirect decorated my prison cell? And so a lot of ways we have this tendency to feel that though a lot of seniors have, you know, the physical aspect of their lives, kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs of just having their general needs taken care of. But the one part that we tend to forget about is the mental aspect. 
where their lives kind of shift and mm -hmm. change around. And there's a lot of isolation associated with that. That's really the main purpose of what we try to get at as an organization is to raise awareness for that and also be able to capture some of these great stories that we have for many seniors so that they're just not forgotten. So Kent, you mentioned that your father's generous life uh, inspired your work with Wish of a Lifetime. And David, you dedicated your film to your grandmothers, Arlene and Marie. Kent, how does your father's legacy influence your dedication to the people you're serving? My dad passed away back in 2016. And I, I guess you could look at the way that the work that I do with Wish of a Lifetime is really an homage to his life. And something that both of my parents had instilled in us as little kids was really always having a greater appreciation for those that came before us. And something that my dad always did was at every major holiday, whether it be Thanksgiving, Christmas, etc., he would always host seniors, uh, a lot of them being veterans, uh, that had nowhere else to go. So a lot of times we would have 30, 40 people that quite honestly would be the first time that my sister and I would be meeting them ever. Um, so you get kind of that awkward initial meeting, but you really find a way to kind of get to know these people a lot more and you see how much of an impact my dad would have. Um, I always looked at it as he just liked cooking for, you know, a ton of people at any given time. But to him, it was always really helping instill in us just a way to care for the the greatest generations that we have. So David, what was your grandmother's influence in your film? Yeah. Well, I, I was fortunate to know all four of my grandparents and two of my great grandparents into my, um, into my teenage years, both of my grandmothers, I, I was very, I've, I was, I'm very close with, I mean, I, I have one, one grandparent left, my grandmother here in Virginia beach. Um, actually coincidentally, the, the community or the uh, retirement community that's tied to the, is tied to a church where we filmed. And that's the church my grandmother goes to. And uh, we tried to work her into the movie, but she didn't want to be. <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, um, yeah, I just was very close with both of them. And I had and still am close with my grandmother here. And I, uh, I, I purposely wrote the story. Um, I wanted it to be a, a woman. And I think because I th a lot of times men in the relationship sometimes get a little more of the, um, at least the older, an older generation, we tend to like put a lot of attention on the veterans for good reason. Uh, but sometimes the the women who are here and, you know, like when men are fighting wars are the ones here taking care of the children, taking care of the house, kind of keeping the country running. Some of them even working part-time jobs. And um, I don't know, I, I just really wanted to put attention on a, a woman because sometimes they don't necessarily get as much of the spotlight, it seems like. And I, so yeah, I, I, I think it, in a way that's, that was certainly inspiration to write, you know, the character of Flora. And, and I and actually took, conversations, recorded conversations from both of my grandmothers and, and, and more or less uh, kind of borrow some dialogue and, and, and put it into the script. So it's sort of, a, you know, her, her personality is, is different than my two grandmothers, but there's definitely a little bit of both of them in, in her character. So Kate, your class of 19, 1999, David Class of yeah. 06, Mercersburg Class of 06. From uh, your time at Mercersburg, what do you still carry with you in your work and otherwise? I know for me that, you know, one of the things that I like the most about at the time that I came into Mercersburg, and I came in as an upper middler, and it was a completely unique experience compared to what I had gone to public school prior to that, 
You always had this sense when you came on campus, whether it was the faculty, the staff, anyone, the grounds crew, everybody was there to really kind of push you to be more than what you thought you could be. And I always found inspiration in that. One of the things that I, it really ties into what Wish does is I always loved mealtime because when we would bounce around to different tables, you'd always be stationed with a faculty member or somebody else at the school that you'd always get to know. And just as much as the students, the faculty is just as diverse. So everybody would have these really neat stories that you could take the time to learn the background of what they had. And I always made sure not to take that time for granted. To me, that was one of the best takeaways for me. Um, I also I, I also have a, had a public school background before. You know, I, I only was at Mercersburg one year. I, I did a, a post-grad year. Wish I had been there more years because I, I loved it. You know, I, I remember being surprised how like kind of accepting everyone was. I mean, I, I'd never been to a boarding school. I, I'm, I'm coming from the South, you know, uh, and I not like waste like deep South or anything, but still, I mean, it's, you know, uh, going to a Northeastern boarding school, coming from a public school in the South, just how open and, and great everyone was to me. Uh, even thinking like, oh, maybe the seniors, it's like, oh, who, who are all these like post-grads sort of like stealing our thunder or something but no they were so like just inviting and friendly and and then you know they're just i feel like i remember like the first day um a friend of my or he's now a friend of mine a guy named josh edgen who's a senior and like literally just walked right up to me and like introduced himself i was like hey man you play football i play football and i was like oh that's that's really cool um so yeah when i think back on that time i just think of how just how warm it was and and same with the staff can you kind of alluded to that just how it was kind of cool to just even like eat meals with your teachers. I mean, that's unheard of in public school. <laughs> um, and uh, you kind of get a little glimpse, kind of windows into their lives because some of them are even living in the, the dorms on, you know, you're seeing their kids running around campus after, you know, at the kind of the end of the school day and, and on the weekends. And it really is a community. And, and from a creative standpoint, I'll, I'll say I really did enjoy uh, my English teacher, Mr. Gahan. He's not there anymore but he was very encouraging of my writing. And I actually started, it was um, towards the end of the, uh, I guess it was towards the end of the year after spring sports were sort of winding down and I started writing my first screenplay while I was there. Hmm. So Ken, what are a couple of the wishes that you've actually been part of? Oh man. One of the ones that actually got me hooked on the organization right off the bat was the very first wish that I saw. Um, there was a, uh, a Lady Harriet that we had granted a wish for that we actually took to see uh, her grandfather's, or not her grandfather, her father's grave in the Netherlands. And a uh, really unique story behind it was that uh, she was born 1941, December. Her fa father was deployed to go fight in World War II three months after. So that was all the time uh, that she was ever able to spend with her father because he was killed in action soon thereafter. Um, and one of the things that she always wanted to do was go visit where he's buried. And we captured the entire uh, time of her being at the grounds to actually witness her seeing her uh, father's grave. And what I thought was really neat about it is you'd think, it, obviously there's a lot of emotion in her coming upon her father's grave, something she hasn't seen in years and years. But 
you'd think that, that it would just be covered in tears. Well, what's cool about when she's walking through and sees her father's grave, she caught her father's grave before anybody else did, immediately fell to her knees and hugs the uh, gravestone. And you could tell that she was just extremely excited to be there. No sadness, nothing behind that. And she actually even pointed out at one point, she was like, I know you're not here. You're just bones in the ground, but I'm going to talk to you anyways, whether you want to hear from me or not, which I thought was really cool. And you could actually see right off the bat the kind of mm. impact that that had. Another wish that we had done last year that uh, was highlighted was a woman named Marguerite uh, that we helped in Florida for her 90th birthday go skydiving. And it's something that she always wanted to do. Uh, in World War II, her family was part of the French resistance and they would provide shelter for the allied forces whenever they needed a place to hide out. Uh, so a lot of times she would see these bombers get shot down and the, uh, the pilots parachuting into the grounds where her family's farm was. That was something she always wanted to experience. So for her 90th birthday, we teamed up with the Red Bull Air Force and uh, they took her skydiving. And uh, I don't really know who had more fun, with, whether it was her or the Red Bull team to actually participate in something like that. But you know, not every wish that we do is as uh, extravagant, but always what the end result ends up being is just something that has that much of an impact to it. It can be something as simple as, you know, reuniting family members that haven't seen each other in 20 years. Um, but, you know, showing that little bit of extra element that people care about their story, people care about just who they are as a person, what type of life that they've lived, uh, and show that there's still value behind that is, is really what we're trying to create. Tap into the emotional side of things. Can I ask him, can I ask you a question, Ken? Or mm -hmm. were there ever, was there ever anyone who was sort of chosen and maybe didn't have on the surface, didn't have um, maybe like a real sort of captivating story, but then on uh, getting to know them a little better or kind of digging, you realize like, oh, this actually is really neat or this is really interesting. I don't know. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does a lot because the way our process works uh, in normal times is people will submit um, recommendations for people that we think that we should grant wishes for. Uh, and a lot of times the people that get submitted are the people that are the biggest social butterfly in the senior living facility, the person that everybody loves, talks to everyone, well, that's not always the person that we want to reach out and touch because they have the emotional aspect. They're not as isolated because they have tons of friends they have people they can talk to. It's really the person that isn't as outgoing, uh, is pretty isolated. And that's why I think, you know, from your film, David, where the woman was talking about, hey, this is my prison cell, that can sometimes feel what the emotion aspect to it is like. Mm -hmm. So uh, like good examples are, a lot of what you see with the example of what you were asking about are veterans, where you'll have uh, veterans that will have severe PTSD. They keep everything very close to the vest with wanting to share their stories. So a lot of times, especially for our staff and team that are getting to know these individuals, it takes a lot of meetings to get them to kind of unearth who they are as a person, what kind of things that they want, and help uncover ways that are going to make their life feel a little bit better. And for a lot of people too, I mean, we do multiple trips a year where we will take um, veterans to 
Washington, D.C. to see the monuments that are there in place for the service that they did. And in many cases, you have World War II veterans, Korean War veterans, Vietnam, that have never seen the monuments in their entire lives. They've never seen the things that are there to get, dedicate the service that they did. Those mm -hmm. are the people, exactly as to what you asked, those are the people that we want to help and reach out and touch more than anything else. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I guess it was a bit of a leading question because I was thinking about um, the, char my, the character of Florida, Flora in my movie. And yeah. um, I kind of purposely, I sort of wanted her to be a little, not bland, but like, I didn't want to give, like, make anything like too extraordinary about her, like too sort of cinematic, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I kind of purposely wanted, I mean, on, on one level, I wanted to be, I, I did that because I wanted people to sort of almost maybe take their own grandparent or their own, or maybe someone older in their own life and sort of put them in the place of Flora. But I also, I wanted to show that like, I think every, I guess everyone's interesting if you really get to know them and everyone has something interesting or, or, or kind of intriguing about them and maybe they don't always talk about it um, and maybe they don't wear it on their sleeve, but you know, it doesn't mean they don't have value because there's not something that's worth being made into a movie about because most people, most of us don't have things in our lives that are worth turning into a movie, but yeah. um, if it doesn't mean they can't have an impact. And that was why I did that because I, I, I wanted Darby to have an impact from this person who there's nothing really that grand about Flora other than that she's just like a really genuinely great person and really wants to get to know Darby on like an, on a real level. And yeah. to me that that is enough to make someone extraordinary. Well, and one and, of the things that I think Flora did really well, the actress that played Flora, she captured the element that even though the first couple meetings that she had with Darby, the teenager, Darby was still very closed off, kind of indifferent about the meeting in the first place. But you could tell how excited Flora was to be like, wow, there's somebody actually here that wants to hear my story. Whether you're really listening to me or not, I'm excited and I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to bring you photos. I'm going to show you everything. That's <laughs> the kind of thing we're tapping into. And, and she just did a really fantastic job of illustrating that. Yeah. So how'd you find Bonnie Jordan, the actress who played Flora? I took an acting class about five, five or six years ago in Alexandria. Um, Virginia and I when I was trying to cast the role I had a really difficult time and I started reaching out to local theater directors just people in the acting community hey do you know anyone have you worked with anyone and so I reached back out to the acting teacher I had at the, the little theater of Alexandria and sure enough he said hey I got this great actress I'll introduce you and um, you know she's actually she's 95 well she's 96 now she was 95 when we filmed I thought she was in her probably early 80s and when I went to meet her, we were walking around. She gave me a tour of where she lives and she, she was showing me around. And I, I can't remember how it came up. I wasn't trying to be rude. Like, how old are you? But uh, uh, I think she brought it up, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, and uh, she still drives. She has a dog. She uses email. The first time I went to meet her, she already had the script printed out and it had highlighted all her lines. I was like, there are 20-year-old actors who don't do that. I was going to say, we did a wish for uh, a lady a few years ago that that was, being an actress was specifically something that she wanted to do. Almost approached it with the same element that that actress did was we, we lined up so that she could be a part of a toothpaste ad at Christmas last year. And she took it like she was running for an Oscar. You would, <laughs> oh man, 
just embrace the whole thing because that's how excited it was. And that's how much you can realize when you yeah. actually hit something that people have always wanted to do. I mean, the same thing goes for any of us at our age. There's excitement yeah. with that. And that doesn't go away with age. So, so David, what do you hope will be next for Darby's and Flora's story? I, well, I, I'm trying, um, and this wasn't the initial intention, but I, 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 I'm going to try to turn it into a feature length film. I know it's a, it's a 37 minute movie now. So it's sort of a middle length, medium length short film. Technically, in terms of the Academy, anything 40 minutes or less is a short. So I'm kind of just pushing <laughs> the edge of what a short film is. But I, um, I'd like to turn it into a feature and um, expand some of the other uh, supporting roles. And um, yeah, I just really, I don't know. I, I'm working on the, the, the feature script now. And I, the, the short film is sort of a, almost a proof of concept of what I think the feature could be. Yeah, that's the next goal. And Kent, what do you imagine is the future for uh, wish, of a, wish of a Lifetime? Yeah, I mean, we're at this really unique, amazing inflection point as an organization because over the last, you know, you think of positives coming out of this pandemic, we've merged with AARP, which you couldn't have a greater level of support behind our organization, what we do. So, you know, if I look at the, the past 10 years of what we were as an organization, we from a grassroots effort did have granted just over 2000 wishes in that period of time and made our voice a little bit bigger. But now with where we can go from here, that can just get louder and even bigger. So if I look at the next 10 years, I'd say more wishes. I mean, if we can get to 10,000 wishes by then, that means there's more people involved. So the things that excite me are being able to see more people not just that we're granting wishes for, but more people submitting people that they're thinking about that they want to show appreciation for. Um, bigger social events that we do that get younger people involved. Like one a good example is uh, we do an event every year around Valentine's Day called Cupid Crew. Uh, and it's something that um, uh, one of the guys in our organization had put together as a really great idea initially was, hey, on Valentine's Day, uh, we'll team up with a grocery store that can donate a lot of roses to us. And we're just going to go around to senior living facility and just hand out roses to seniors all day, every day across the country. And we're going to see how many people we can possibly get involved. Last year, we did 50,000 roses that we gave away to 50,000 different people. Amazing reach. This year, different goals. Uh, but with the pandemic, that's going to throw that off a little bit. But having things that really broaden that search. And that's a whole dedication for us that really lines up well with David's film of a greater focus of connecting older and younger generations so that we have this ability to really kind of cohesively bind everybody to know that um, there's an appreciation for both sides and there's similarities to what teenagers can be going through and, and children as well as seniors themselves. So that's a lot of different unique events that we're bringing together both of those generations to pair them up and doing things just like the legacy sessions, quite honestly. That was David Ashton, class of 2006, and Kent McGlincy, class of 1999. Special thanks for this episode goes to Jason Bruchatsky and Megan Mallory for their help with producing this podcast. And thank you to Brian Morgan, class of 2007, and Maddie Norris, class of 2021, for writing and recording the theme music. If you have a classmate who you'd like to nominate for an appearance in the Bergs Eye View podcast, Send a message to alumni at mercersburg.edu.